we get into the teaching, okay? So Jen and I like to garden. So um, we do that thing. And so we plant things like um, lettuce and uh, kohlrabi. You know what kohlrabi is? Okay. Kale, chard, um, dill, do a lot of herbs, things like that. So during, during this time of year, like we join with a lot of you who like to garden as well. And we kind of get into that. It's one of our most favorite things to do. And we plant. And then I have a garden box up at Rob, Rob Park. So we also plant some things up there. So if you're around Rob Park and you discover which one is my garden box, don't you steal my stuff. <laughs> don't you do that. Jesus will see you. I might not be there, but Jesus will see you. And the Bible says stealing is a sin. So don't sin, okay? Um, but we, li we like to do that. And so we, we plant. And, and But you know what? As much as we like to plant stuff, you know what the greatest joy is? The harvest. Who said harvest? Yeah, so you get coffee. No, well, we're not serving coffee right now, but we're going to. When we do, you get a free cup. Okay, so yeah, the harvest. And my wife is amazing. She, she harvests lettuce, and it kind of looks like it's never been harvested, and we get this gigantic salad and, and all this kind of stuff. So we love the harvest, right? But here's what we know, and here's what you know, and not to insult your t in intelligence in any way, to get to the harvest, you have to plant, right? You've got to put a seed in the ground, right? Or you've got to put a small plant or something, however you, that's got to go in the ground. And here's the reality, right? It takes an investment of money, and it takes an investment of time. Or there's, or there's no hardest. There's a financial investment, isn't there? Because that's, you might pay 30 cents for a package of seeds, but they're not free. So there's a financial investment. And there's a time investment before the harvest. And unless you're willing to make that investment, both financially and by time, there's just not going to be a harvest, at least in your garden. At least there's not going to be a, a, a very, very good one. So what is true in that agricultural um, world gardening world is also true in the spiritual world and that's why I want to talk to you about that this morning. You've experienced it probably in your personal life. Um, you've heard this, right? And maybe your parents even have said this. You reap what you, yeah, you reap what you sow. You've heard that and I heard that growing up as well. Think of someone who has invested in you and, and you're the harvest, really. I mean, for many of us, I, I can think of my mother, right? I mean, who invested so much time, um, prayer, and financial invest in, in, investment into my life, into her other kid's life, and, you know, and prayed for a harvest. So that is true for you. I bet you can think of someone right now. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a parent. Um, Maybe it was a close friend. Somebody invested in you, and because they did, um, you really are the harvest. So I just said, you're the fruit of their life sitting here. And I don't know if you've ever thought yourself as a piece of fruit. I'm not calling you like a fruit fruit. It's just that you're part of the harvest. You're the reason, the result of the sowing and the investment of somebody else. I've said this often, that we all stand on a platform built by somebody else. And I, I live with that wonderful reality. So I like to use this platform even as a kind, of a kind of a word picture, right? 
Um, this platform was built by somebody else. We think that we did it. We are wrong. In a, in a few weeks, I, I'll have the service, the memorial service, of one of our platform builders who passed away at almost 90 years old. Who invested finances, who invested time into this community we call Gateway. And because they did, we stand on a platform that they built. You might not, you might not know this, some of you do, but before this worship center existed, before much of what you see, um, we met over in the school over here. And there was a group of people who caught a vision of what Jesus wanted to do in Kitsap County. And that vision, and that thing was so deep in their hearts that 12 families put their homes up as collateral in order to secure a mortgage for this facility. You know what they said? We're willing to lose our home. We're, we're willing to invest that much into what we believe Jesus has called us to. And because they did that, we're here worshiping. Their platform, their platform builders, they, they understood Luke chapter 12, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And they understood the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. And do you think, however it works out, do you think they are responsible for much of what we're hearing happening today amongst our children and amongst our students and amongst our adults? Do you think so? I think so. Because they sowed. And we are now reaping some of what they sowed. So when you hear last week Josiah sharing about the students who are growing in their faith and coming to Jesus, when you heard Shelley talk more about in just a little bit, Talk about nine students who have come to faith. This is because somebody invested. And I'm so grateful. Jesus told a story. Now much of the Bible was written during this period of time, you know, during this agricultural world. And when they would understand this story really, really well. So when Jesus told a story, or what we know as a parable, right, um, he always connected what was happening here with a spiritual thought. So the, re the hearers could understand what he's saying, and then he would bring a spiritual principle in. And typically in the stories, there's really one main thought or one main principle that Jesus is really um, bringing to the front. And he's doing so in, in this story about a sower who, who sows seed. And he says there's a sower who goes out, a farmer who goes out, and he sows his seed, and, and it lands on diff different soils in the terrain, and probably you've read it if you're, you're a Bible reader. So he says, like, some of the seed that is sown drops on the pathway. So that's, that's the first one. Just remember path. By the way, these represent um, soils of our own heart as well. Some fall on the path. Some fall on the rocky ground. So just kind of visualize that. As the sower is out there, some falls on the rocky ground. Some falls on a thorny ground. And then some seed falls on, on good soil. And then particularly Matthew 13, when you, when you read just a little bit further, Jesus goes back and he explains what he's talking about. And here, here's what he says. Um, on the path, this is the one that does not understand 
and the evil one snatches away what was sown. So there was seed that was sown, and it doesn't understand, doesn't get, give his heart to the Lord. And so the evil one comes along and kind of snatches it away. And how, how about the rocky ground, right? He receives it, but is not rooted. Maybe you can see that in life today. It's, that person's not rooted, and so they fall away during persecution, during times that are really, really tough. So kind of visualize that, that soil. Visualize the hearer going, yeah, I think I've seen that. I think I've seen that. How about the one that falls on thorny ground? Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. So it falls there and it takes root, but over a period of time, right, um, like the deceitfulness of the world and then this attachment to riches kind of chokes out the word of God. But then there's the good soil. And that's the one who hears the word, understands it, and he bears fruit because he receives it. Now, if I were to ask this question, if you're a sower of seed, and I pray that all of us are, um, have you ever been discouraged? Because you've sown seed, right? And you're going like, what happened? What happened? Or maybe you're thinking of somebody or someone in your family or some, someone close to you. You're like, what happened? Well, Jesus explains to us what takes place. But there's something that I, I don't want us to miss in this story. And as I kind of sat on this story this week, it kind of occurred to me, this thought, and I just want to pass it on to you. In all the sowing, right, of the seed, falling on the pathway, falling on the thorny ground, um, um, falling in the good soil, the rocky ground, one thing is common, and it's this, there had to be a sower. Someone needed to sow the seed. Someone needed to be committed to sowing the seed. It's all too easy, isn't it, for many of us to get so focused on the seed that fell on the pathway and we did our best and we did what Jesus, we really felt Jesus called us to and, and we were faithful and, and we sowed the seed and then we saw it disappear and it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to look around and wonder if we're making a difference because we don't see the fruit and, and we become discouraged. I've often even sat back and thought in my own life, I go like, man, am I really making a difference? And maybe you've thought that same thing too. We, we sow and we sow and we sow. And sometimes it's too easy for us to get discouraged with the sowing of the seed. What we need to understand is that Jesus calls you and me to be people who invest in the kingdom of God and become sowers of the good seed of the word of God. You and I are called to partner with the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and what he's doing in the world to be in faithfully sowing seed and then leaving the results and leaving the work up to the spirit of God. If I were to ask you how many have ever gotten discouraged, I think probably all of us would raise our hand, wouldn't we? And maybe it's really close to you. Maybe like you have done your best to sow seed into the life of your student or your close friend or maybe your workmate and you just don't see anything happening. 
can I just release you because it's not up to you anyway? It's up to the Spirit of God. It's up to you and me to be faithful in the sowing of the seed as a disciple and then letting Jesus do his work. Well, I want to talk to you about areas that you have sown seed, you have sown seed, where you have made a difference. So we're wrapping up this short series that we're calling Fruit by thanking you for what you're doing. And I pray challenging each one of us to be involved in his kingdom. So a few weeks ago, we thanked moms, right? Moms, not birth person, for what you have done. Because moms have made an incredible difference. So we said thank you. Last week, you heard Josiah share of the seed that you are sowing amongst the, the students, the youth. Come on a Wednesday night and see what's happening. Sit in the balcony if youth scare you. But you, you would be incredibly encouraged with what's taking place. A few weeks ago, you heard Shelly share how nine students, I mentioned just earlier, had come to faith in Jesus Christ. So I, 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 want, to, I want to cop um, a statement that Josiah said last week. He said this, faith plus action. So as you have faithfully served, uh, uh, sown seed, put into action your faith, I want to just share some areas where we're seeing fruit and what you're doing. And here they are. They're going to come up on the screen. We continue because of what you're doing, the seed that you're sowing to feed over 5,000 people annually out of our kitchen. Did you know that? Hungry people are being fed every week. We continue to provide ministries to children every week. Shelly and her team are doing that. They're meeting right now throughout the campus. Seed is being sown. You are providing that. We continue to provide ministries to youth that you heard about last week and that continue on. We continue to reach globally with the good news of the gospel. I like to say it this way. Look, you're here and you're sowing seed globally to countries that you've never been to. But we pray the gospel is taking root and landing on good soil. You are doing that. We partner with Olive Crest helping families who, who open their homes to provide foster care. You're doing that. You may have never had a foster care child in your home, but you're helping others to do that. We partner with Scarlet Road to rescue women out of the sex trade. We're seeing fruit. We provide camp for foster kids who have experienced life that no student should have to experience. Thank God for Royal Family Kids Camp. You are providing that. You're helping to do so. We launched Life Matters, partnering with Pregnancy Resource Center and others to do what we can to support moms. Who choose to protect the life of their unborn child and beyond. Meaning we're not just a pro-birth church, but we're a pro-life church. You're doing that. I was so excited when we launched Breathe India a few weeks ago and asked you to give $20,000 at least to help plant the gospel in India. And you gave over $20,000 and 100% of those monies are being forwarded. And we're praying that that good deed will create goodwill that will open the doors of the good news of the gospel 
and the gospel of Christ will spread. The seed will be sown in India. We continue to provide leadership and training for discipleship groups. Believing and committing to going into all the world to make disciples. We continue to provide funds, you do, to help people through our COVID relief fund. You've given over $25,000. And we've been able to reach out in the name of Jesus. Sowing seed, helping others. We've partnered with Kitsap County and Paulsville to help people with basic needs as we navigate the weirdness of this pandemic. So we opened up shower facilities. We opened up our facilities not only to feed, but to house people. We provide a tuition-based school system committed to biblical values in all that we teach. We turn on the lights and power, heat, things like this. For local groups to help people get their feet on the ground with jobs and resources. This is stuff that you're doing. And some of you may not have even known about it. We provide for the basic needs of people in our local area through our benevolence fund. You continue to give that and we reach out in Jesus' name. We provide a severe weather shelter. We provide, we, you, all of us, a severe weather shelter that provides for the homeless shelter during the cold times. And a cooling shelter during the, during the rare times that we have heat in our area, the hot days. We provide an online campus. I'm so grateful for our online campus. It literally costs us thousands of dollars, but we're committed to it. And we reach all around the world. And we've seen people come to faith as you've responded. And raise your hand, said, today I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not about being online. It's not about the lights and all the stuff. It's about seeing the kingdom of God expanded. We provide a worship center. You provide this worship center. I mentioned that. For all ages to worship and to learn and to grow. We provide space. You provide space for gateway counseling that is housed over here that has continued to grow and continues to counsel from a biblical worldview. I am so grateful for the counseling team. If you need counseling, I'm, not, I'm probably not the guy that you want to come to. Because I just go like, my counseling just, is, it's just like, stop doing that. Now go. Well, I'm so grateful and so thankful for people who counsel from a godly perspective. And there is so much more. You are sowing through your financial giving into the kingdom of God. This is why I say that when you give faithfully, as you do, you're partnering in all of these things. When you give, you may have never stepped foot inside of a homeless shelter, but you're part of that ministry. You're part of sowing that seed. When you, when you sow that financial gift, here's what you're doing. You're giving so that youth and children and adults will be discipled. You're sowing the seed. And I pray that you can see that. And I pray that you mobilize that. But there's one thing that maybe you've not thought of. How you're sowing is being used by God. It's, it's maybe the most important thing 
that I'll, I'll mention today. And it's the thing that I'm passionate about. And I hope that you can sense that. That together, you are partnering in our commitment to teach from and lead from and live from a biblical worldview as a faith community in Kitsap County. I hope that you can see that. I pray that you can see it because that's the most important thing that we can do. What does it mean? What does this mean to teach from, live from um, a biblical worldview? Since we believe that the Bible is to form our values in life, then we must be committed to doing so. And the task, though exciting, is not going to be easier. We know that. We know that from the Bible. Our culture is pushing hard against biblical values in the area of sexuality, in the area of marriage and life, and what seems to me to be an all roads lead to God mentality or belief. The Bible, which we are committed to, speaks to sexuality as being defined by God and no one else. Marriage is being defined by God as between one man and one woman. Life beginning at conception. And there is only one way to the Father, and that's through faith in His Son, Jesus. And we are committed to this in our church and in our schools. And this is the most important thing, I believe, that we are a part of. And something that we must stand on. And we must firmly place our feet on that we will teach from a biblical worldview. And you're allowing that to happen. I don't know if you've ever thought about fruit in that way. This is not a political position. God keep us from that. This is a biblical position. God keep us in that. We do not unite around a party. We unite around a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. I read just, just this weekend um, from a, a um, the, the name of the source just kind of like jumps out of my mind. Have you ever had that happen? Um, no, but I've seen it happen that one in five churches could likely close due to COVID. I just recently listened um, to a pastor I know of over in their side of the water. They've closed the doors to their church after being in existence for 10 years. Committed to sharing the gospel, but because of COVID, they've had to close. One in five churches, potentially. We're committed to making the name of Jesus famous, living for his glory, spreading the good news of the gospel, and making disciples. That's our commitment. We must partner together. We must have a biblical focus on an area that is hard to think about. And honestly, I've been told I don't teach enough about. And that's finances. And before you click me off, And in person, you can click me off too. You just won't get up and walk out. Don't you click me off. Just listen, just listen to me for just a moment. It's not about money. It's not about money. Jesus talked a lot about money. Because Jesus knows that our heart and our finances 
are closely connected. You know what? Honestly, many of you have dialed this in. I mean, you get this. You could teach it probably better than I can. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. He's going to like, like you've got to make a decision here. Because you're going to either hate, hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then he says you can't serve God and money. You can't do that. And a few verses earlier he says this, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth or rust, uh, uh, nor where they destroy, moth or rust, and where thieves do not break in and steal, forever you, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. And so Jesus teaches this principle that I, I pray that we land on today because it's freedom. It really is. Jesus doesn't really care so much about your treasure as he does about your heart. Because if he has your heart, he has your treasure. Think about that. If he has your heart, he has your treasure. So I was taught early on by a godly mother um, of where my treasure would be. And it would, it would be with the Lord. I was taught early on to be a percentage giver to the Lord's work. My first job was sweeping the hair in the barbershop that my mom owned. Yeah, five bucks a week. This is like child labor. <laughs> so mom says, okay, you give you five bucks a week for that. You know how much goes to the Lord? Anybody want to guess? Yeah, 50 cents. So she said 10%, right? So 50 cents, and so I started doing that. Have practiced that all my life. God has just blessed in so many ways. You know, so often we see his blessing, we kind of desire his financial blessings. That is not what I'm talking about. He blesses in that way too, because I think that's the principle of sowing and reaping. But he's blessed me in so many ways. And there's so much freedom when you say, look, this is God's anyway. So as followers of Jesus, it's so easy to align our finances with the world, right? And with the priorities of the world. And they're out of sync with, with what the Bible teaches. So we must ask ourselves, what does the Bible teach about giving? So I'm just going to quickly give you um, five things. And here they are. You might want to jot them down or you can get them later um, by going back and reviewing the teaching. Um, he owns it anyway. <laughs> We're just the stewards. Have you ever thought about that? He owns, he owns what you have and he owns what I have anyway. And so he's just, we are just the stewards. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Number two, we're not to fall in love with money or the pursuit of money. So I pray freedom from that. It's not to be our pursuit. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Number three, as we trust and honor him with our giving, he provides what we need. He has never failed, and he never will. Philippians chapter 4. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Number four, sowing and reaping are biblical principles. They are. The more seed planted, the greater the harvest. 
The Bible apply, applies this law to our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We do realize the blessings of God. And I'm thankful for that. So I'm, I'm quick to say before I share with you um, the last one. I am thankful for God's blessing. I'm thankful for God's financial blessing in your life and in my life. We're just called to steward it. Right? There, God does not call us um, to live in poverty. He doesn't do that. I get that. He blesses us. He's blessed you. But we're called to be stewards. God, or Paul gives us further instruction, and it goes right to the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So wouldn't it be cool when we talk about giving, if you just break out in laughter. <laughs> we, maybe you'll never do that, but God loves a cheerful giver. Because when we're giving, we're sowing the seed. Because we're giving, we're seeing all and more that I mentioned take place. Finally, number five, and then I'm going to give you a resource in just a moment. Do not fall into the prosperity trap of the more I give, the more I get. That is from the devil. The prosperity doctrine. I teach against it. You've heard me teach against it. I will continue to teach against it. That is not biblical. It's not about us. It's about his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. So here's my invitation. First of all, my thanks. Thank you to you who are sowing seed through your financial giving each and every week. And if you're not, I invite you to be a partner. I want to share with you some good news. And I pray that it encourages us. Adam, who is our Adam Kirby, our director of, of finance, just provided us with a report from last month. And, and today, giving, we are within $20,000 of our annual giving budget. That's incredible. It's $20,000 short. But, but that is incredible. And I thank you for that because you're giving. We're continuing to see seed being sown. So thank you. And then I want to invite you who have maybe thought about, like, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but you haven't yet to join many others as a faithful giving partner to his kingdom. So when we talk about giving, we say, hey, text in to the giving number. I just encourage you to consider that and pray about that and I encourage you to do that. For some of you, it means a commitment that you'll start, right? You'll start. Others will work um, towards, and you'll work towards doing so. For others, it means you're just going to continue doing what you're doing. And I thank you in Jesus' name because this is something that you and I are doing together. You know, and I've said it, I would not ask you to do something that Jen and I do not practice ourselves. And we practice um, tithing and above tithing in our own personal life. I would never ask you to do something that we don't do. Now, for some of you, I'm going to provide you a really cool resource. We shared about it, um, oh, a few months ago. Um, so you've heard of Dave Ramsey, I think. Um, some of you have your budget thing dialed in really, really well. So Jen does, like, and she is not going to change what she's doing. She has a piece of paper, and I will guarantee you, I don't touch her piece of paper. Ever. 
It, she's the budgeter in our home. So, but some of you, um, Ramsey Plus will be a great um, help to you as you kind of sort through budging and so on. And we purchased um, a one-year subscription to Ramsey Plus. And if you'll go on our website, gatewayfellowship.com slash Ramsey, and you'll see it there. There's a free resource to you, and many have participated in that. And Sarah, I just invite you to check it out. We're going to gather around the table, and we're going to give thanks. Because the reason that we can do what we do, and sow seed like we sow seed, is because the seed has been sown into our heart by the Spirit of God. If you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit, right, quickened your heart with your need for a Savior. And you responded. He made you into a brand new person. And he made me into a brand new person. And because he did, I'm a passionate follower of Jesus saying, God, whatever it is of, of me that you desire, like, would you? Would you? Next week, we're starting a new series. It's actually continuing our Ezra series into the book of Nehemiah. So I just encourage you to start reading Nehemiah. And as we do, we're going to again see God's hand on his people. And when we partake of communion today, here's what we're recognizing. The seed was sown into your heart, into my heart. We receive Jesus as, as Lord. And he stays with us. He guides us through all of life. Are you thankful for that? He is always with us. He never leaves us. His body was broken that we might be made whole in every way. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. And as we take the bread, let's receive that healing right now, shall we? Father, we thank you. His body, his blood was shed for you and for me that we could enter into a brand new life and serve him passionately with everything that we have. Let's take the cup together, shall we? Let's stand. Even at home, if you want to join us by standing, why don't you do that? Lord Jesus, we give ourselves to you this morning. We thank you for all you've done. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.